This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Last month, when Oregon Governor Tina Kotek announced that ODOT had to hold off on tolling Oregon highways until at least 2026, it pumped the brakes on a billion-dollar plan to expand I-5 through Portland's Rose Quarter. Now, that was big news for Ada Crandall of Sunrise Movement, a national youth climate justice organization. Ada's been one of the leading voices organizing against the I-5 expansion, despite the fact that today she's only 17 years old. So today on CityCast Portland, we're talking with one of Portland's leading youth climate change organizers about why she's been fighting so hard against the freeway expansion and why the younger generation sees the issue so differently from most adults. It's Thursday, July 20th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. You know, you've been organizing against ODOT's plans for freeway expansion since you were in the seventh grade, and you're only just 17 now. Like, why has this felt so urgent to you? Yeah, in seventh grade, I went to Harriet Tubman Middle School, which is like 50 feet from one of the busiest parts of I-5. And my classmates and I, every single day at recess, we were being exposed to this toxic diesel pollution. And that was terrifying to learn about as a 12-year-old, to sit through these presentations about how the air that we're breathing at recess could lead to asthma or lung cancer. It just felt like a constant threat to our health and safety. Um, And so I started organizing with students at my school around legislation that would regulate diesel emissions in the state of Oregon, Um, That bill ended up passing in the Oregon legislature, and it felt like this really big victory. Um, And so it kind of felt like a slap in the face to then turn around and hear about these plans to actually expand the freeway even further. Because Mm -hmm. we had won this thing um, to regulate pollution, but it felt like in the grand scheme of things that wouldn't matter that much if we were just going to add more lanes, add more vehicles, add more pollution, add more carbon emissions to the climate crisis that is threatening my generation's future. And... Everything went from there. Yeah. You know, I feel like a lot of people in Portland don't know how bad the air is here. Uh, I think we just have this uh, perception like, you know, you see you see the forest, you see clear skies. And I feel like it's just been like as recent as, you know, five, maybe 10 years where people are starting to realize like, oh, the, the air quality here is actually not that good. Um, Have you seen the public's reception to your ideas change since, like, you were in the seventh grade? Do you think people are are finally catching up to it? Or what's your opinion on that? I think things are starting to change. Um, Definitely being at Tubman and being so close to the freeway really changed my perspective on this sort of green Portland myth. I think we really pride ourselves in being this sustainable, like, earth-friendly city because we, you know, we recycle and we have bike lanes, but it's like at the same time, we're we're literally expanding toxic fossil fuel infrastructure into a middle school. Um, we're doing all of all of these terrible things that I think often get really hidden behind our reputation of being green and sustainable, and all of our progressive yard signs are actually hiding this really horrifying 
history of environmental racism and a lot of current plans um, to make things worse. And I do think that the work that especially the youth climate movement has done over the last few years has started to change that. It's brought a lot more attention to these issues. Um, I think also the, the impacts of the climate crisis are getting harder and harder to ignore, right? Because you talk about how maybe we can't smell the, the bad air quality every day, but definitely in August when there are wildfires, like we can see it outside, the sky is red. Um, and I think sometimes that doesn't register with people as the results of human-caused climate emergency, but in reality, that is what it is. And it's the future that my generation is growing up into. Right. You know, you said something interesting. Um, you um, you mentioned environmental racism. And I'm sure a lot of people listening are just like, oh, I'm sorry, what, what now? <laughs> the environment is racist. I know what it means. And maybe some of our listeners do as well. But could you explain that to someone who's not heard that term before? Yeah. Environmental racism is essentially the idea that these environmental problems, things like air pollution, are predominantly affecting communities of color. And that is definitely true at Tubman Middle School, which is a majority Black school. It's one of the most diverse schools in the city. Um, it's, it's in a historically Black neighborhood. Um, and the I-5 freeway was originally built through the center of the Albina neighborhood and cut that community apart and left all of this terrible pollution and destruction. And it's not a coincidence that those projects are happening there and not like in wealthier, whiter neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of become an expert uh, on ODOT in the last few years because you've had to. Uh, but now that the Rose Quarter expansion is on hold, uh, what do you think happens next? We keep pushing. Um, this is progress, um, but this is not the end of this fight. I think Portlanders need to understand that ODOT does not have your best interests in mind. And they're going to keep trying to sell you on more freeways. They're going to keep trying to tell you that we need to add more lanes and that it will reduce traffic. No, it, it won't reduce traffic. That's what science has said time and time again. If we create more lanes, more people will drive. There will be more pollution. Um, and it's taking billions and billions of dollars away from the things that we actually need to be investing in, like bike and pedestrian infrastructure. Like imagine if the bus came every five minutes and it could take you everywhere that you needed to go. Um, and that is the future that we're fighting for. And we've made progress, but we're still, we still haven't achieved that vision. Um, and ODOT is going to stand in the way of that every step of the way. A small fraction of their budget is bike and pedestrian infrastructure. This is a ramble that does not need to be in there, but... <laughs> no, it's okay. Actually, it helps with the natural follow-up because I wanted to ask you, you know, you've, you've, you've mentioned this before that ODOT doesn't have people's best interests in mind. I wanted you to unpack like what you meant because I, I kind of get what you mean, you know, because it's... Have you ever heard of that euphemism? Well, not euphemism. It's like a, a saying that to a hammer, every problem looks like it needs to be like hammered. I have not. Does, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so like if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. if you're in the build, if you're in the business of, of making streets, every transportation problem looks like it needs to be solved by making more roads. 
Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is that what you mean? Like, I, I wanted if you could explain, like, you know, why ODOT, these people who are clearly Oregonians, who are Portlanders, like, why they don't have our best interests in mind. And, you know, it's not like a, they're not going out of the way to ruin the earth. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, I want to, like, highlight one thing that you said, which is that they are in the business of building roads. Um, Mm -hmm. Like the Oregon Department of Transportation, it used to be called the Oregon Department of Freeways. And effectively, it does still function as that. The majority of what they're doing is related to like freeway um, construction and maintenance. And other things are just kind of like, feels like an afterthought. Um, And yeah, when I say that ODOT doesn't have people's best interests in mind, I'm not saying that any of the individual ODOT employees are like terrible people who want to destroy the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, that being said, like there are decision makers who have repeatedly listened to dozens of young people show up to these meetings and give testimony and say, you have a choice to make, like you can continue expanding freeways or you can prioritize our generation's future. Um, and otherwise like people are going to keep dying in climate disasters. Like you are contributing to the destruction of our homes and the, the places that we love. And yeah, it is it is hard to walk that line between the the responsibility of those individual decision makers who who really are like like it's pretty hard to argue that they're that they're not making choices that are worsening the climate crisis. Um but the main thing that I want people to understand is that this is about the agency as a whole. This is about the mm-hmm. system as a whole. And this idea this this just like societal norm of having to continue building roads. Um, and this this idea that this is how things have always been and this is how things have to always continue to be and we can't change that. Because, you know, a lot of these people, I'm sure, are not consciously thinking, you know what I want to do today? I want to build a toxic, polluting freeway. <laughs> I want to destroy the planet and I love the climate crisis. No, they're not thinking that. They're thinking the way that this problem has always been solved before is building more roads. Yeah. Well, thank you for explaining that. Um, Because I feel like a lot of people hear that, you know, someone doesn't have your best interest in mind and it just sounds reactionary immediately. Like some Mm -hmm. people just shut down, they stop listening. You know, just like, what do you you mean? You know, because a lot of adults still think that this freeway project is super important. And a lot of people who drive cars, you know, they're just like, well, how am I supposed to get to Vancouver? Like, how am I supposed to, you know? Uh, what do young people like you see in this issue that you think most adults like are not seeing clearly? I think adults aren't seeing the the big picture climate thing of it clearly. Um, but I also do want to talk a second about the the like I think the personal stake that most adults have in this project is not climate change. It's mm-hmm. traffic. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the way it was explained to me was like, if you have an ice cream stand and you're selling ice cream and you have like a certain amount of ice cream and it's not a lot of ice cream, there are going to be like that many people that come to get ice cream. But if you have more ice cream to sell, more people are going to come and try and buy it. And the same thing happens with highway lanes. If we add more lanes, more people are going to drive. And then a few years down the road, we're just going to need to expand that highway again. So it's not like a consistent sustainable solution, mm-hmm. right? Because we can't expand the ice cream factory forever and ever and ever. It's just, mm-hmm. it won't work. Um, except, you know, unlimited ice cream is probably better than unlimited freeways. So the metaphor yeah. doesn't, doesn't quite work. 
But unless you're lactose intolerant, Ada. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Portland. We can have vegan ice cream. Okay. <laughs> okay. I see already. You found a solution. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I can't eat ice cream. We can't have vegan freeways. The freeways. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the same has been said about prisons. Yeah. It blew my mind when someone said that. They're like, you know, you make more uh, prison cells. And mm-hmm. what happens is you find more prisoners to make yeah. to put in the prison cells. And it's just like, ooh. So mm-hmm. this, I've never thought about that concept with uh, roads before. And it's it's equally as scary, to be honest. <laughs> just like, oh, cool. It's never ending. Yeah. Yay. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back why the youth might have a clear perspective around climate change issues. Why do you think there's so much youth climate activism uh, around this? You know, you said something about young people having a clear simplicity to Mm -hmm. uh, assessing these issues. When I read that, that you said that, I was like, well, I guess most adults are really busy trying to figure out how to get to work. (laughs) <laughs> like it's just a different do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we just not to say like you don't have anything on your plate, but I was like, yeah, we're we're kind of stuck. We're already in the cycle of life. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with being less worn down by what's considered politically possible or what's considered normal. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot easier to think critically about these systems when we haven't lived in them as long. Um, it's like less ingrained in us. And also something I'll say is that this, like my generation has had a weird few years. Like we have seen so much, so many unprecedented times. <laughs> um, like, I don't know, like we, we lived through the pandemic. We lived through all this crazy stuff. Um, and I do think that that has prompted a lot of thought about these systems and how they work. Um, we've had... A, a wild ride. And I think, yeah, with with freeways in particular, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people were radicalized around climate around 2018 when like Greta Thunberg was doing all of the global climate strikes and stuff like that. Um, and then in Portland, transportation really came to the forefront of it because, because of the Rose Quarter expansion in Tubman Mill School, but also because of this overall picture of 40% of Oregon's reported emissions come from transportation. And so that felt like one of the biggest pressing climate things. So are you still feeling optimistic about all this? Yeah, I'm a little bit optimistic. I think I'm a realist. And that my realism is perceived by optimists as pessimism sometimes. Um, But I just think it's like good to manage expectations and understand that I, I have a lot of faith in this movement. And I know that like somewhere deep down in me, like I know that this movement is going to win. I know that we're going to transform our society because we have to, Mm -hmm. but also it's so important to be able to sit with, the amount of destruction that's going to happen along the way. Like some parts of climate of the climate crisis are already irreversible and we're going to keep dealing with wildfires and heat waves and people are going to keep dying in climate disasters. Like there are things that like that it is too late to prevent. And I think there has to be nuance when we talk about hope in this movement. Um, Right. Because I, I 
you know, I wouldn't have it in me to continue this work if I didn't feel hopeful to some degree. And I do feel hopeful and I do believe that we can win. Mm -hmm. Um, But that win isn't going to be perfect. And there is still going to be so much loss and so much suffering. And that's hard. Well, Ada, I hope that um, I wish I could like transfer strength, (laughs) just give you strength because I don't have the time to do what you're doing. And I'm just so glad that there are people that are that are doing, that are thinking about these things and, um, and putting all the effort and work into what you're doing. So thank you so much for all your hard work. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. You can find more information about Ada Crandall's work, Sunrise Movement, PDX, and how you can get involved in today's show notes. And now for your microdose of news. Oregon's unemployment has fallen for the fifth month in a row. It's now at 3.5%, which is close to the lowest rate the state has ever seen. The biggest gains were in construction, hospitality, and healthcare. And the grand opening of the much-anticipated downtown Ritz-Carlton development has hit a delay. The developer says they're having supply chain issues in the final stages of the build-out. The first hotel reservations have been pushed back from August 15th to at least October 15th. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support the show, please share, rate, and subscribe. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slims.